Hi everyone, welcome to Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I am... Ooh, I... I stumped myself today with trying to think of a name. You know what? Today I'm going to be... The Sin of Sloth. The Sin Archbishop of Sloth. That's who I'll be. Like I always say, if you know who I'm talking about and you can say it effectively, go right on ahead and tell me at a bar and I'll get you a drink. So, today is Friday. Um, I am sorry that this episode has become available so much later than before. Um, You know, because rum, things happen. And when rum is involved things don't happen. So I went out, went a little crazy last night. I didn't actually get to record in the manner I should have recorded in. But it's all right. We're still here. We're here together. And I hope you guys are all having a fantastic, fantastic day, night, weekend, future in your flying car, whenever you're listening to this. Um, So today's episode is called Gay, Black, and Empathic. Empathic. Now, I don't know if empathic is an actual word, but it's a word I'm making up because it's going to fit into the scenario. Now, before we get into it, there are a few things that, you know, of course, I want to give like a little news update. The first thing is Felicity Huffman made parole. Now, if you're not familiar with Felicity Huffman, she was a part of that college admission scandal that has occurred and, you know, lied to get her kid into school. I think she paid someone to alter her kid's uh, SATs. And she was sentenced, and this was a hard, hard sentence. It was very hard as a punishment. Um, You know, this is probably one of the most uh, over-sentenced people that I ever thought of. Um, she was sentenced to 14 days in jail, and that's that's hard time. Um, and then she was uh, also fined $30,000. Um, I mean, she only makes a couple hundred thousand on her movies and TV shows, so 30000 is a big chunk of her money. It's huge. Um, I guess she paroled. You know, she probably went before the parole board because she got out early. I think she only served seven days of her sentence. I think that's all it is. Didn't really look into it too much, but, you know, I mean, she got 14 days and a $30,000 fine. Meanwhile, a woman who used an address because she was homeless to get her kids into a school was sentenced to, I think, five or ten years in prison. So, you know, I mean, justice system's fair. Good job. Good job, guys. The other thing that I want to talk about, um, there was another transgendered woman of color who was murdered, um, and I didn't get to talk about this one in time. Um, I'm actually a little behind myself, Uh, but her name is Itali Marlowe. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, She was killed in Houston. She was found with multiple gunshot wounds. Um, 
It has been reported on some news outlets. Um, Right now, the police charged Raymond Donald Williams with the murder and are seeking his whereabouts. Um, Williams was known to be living with Marlo at the time of her death and was seen fleeing the scene of the crime. Now, this is important to bring up because when women of color are killed, it goes very underreported. Let's just be there right away. When transgender women of color are killed, it's even less likely to be in the news. It's less likely that they're going to find the killer, and it's less likely that they're going to get the resources to get things handled. Now, um, police are looking for tips. Um, you can call Crime Stoppers if you know anything about Raymond Donald Williams. He is 23. Um, after fleeing the scene of the crime, I don't know if they have caught him yet, but as of now, with the latest report that I read, he has not been found. Um, this is definitely something that is a national epidemic. It is crazy that transgendered people are being murdered just because they want to live. That's it. They don't want anything from you. They're not going to change you into a different gender. They're not here to spread some agenda to end the human race. They just want to fucking live. So I just wanted to make sure I get that out there because it's fucking ridiculous. It's terrible. So let's go into the topic today. So the topic today, it's gay, black, and empathic. Now, like I said, I don't know if that's a real word, but now that it's come out of my mouth, it is a word. So challenge me on it if you want to. But <clears throat> when I think of an empath, or like I said, being empathic, I thought of a quote. And this quote comes from an author named Tahiri Mafi. And Tahiri Mafi wrote the book, Shatter Me. And the quote that I thought of was, all I ever wanted was to reach out and touch another human being, not just with my hands, but with my heart. And that is kind of what an empath does in a way. And there's even more. You know, I bet you that you know someone who is an empath and you probably don't know that they're an empath. They're very unique people. They have the ability that some people would envy and other people would hate. An empath is someone who can take on the feelings or emotions of another person, almost like they're in that person's body. Um, In some circles, it has been considered a supernatural ability. Um, Espers or psychics uh, can be considered empaths. Someone who is an empath They can take on emotions almost like we put on clothes in a way. So, an example of it. If I were an empath and we went somewhere, let's say we went to IHOP, the International House of Pancakes. I personally love pancakes. But the same happiness and joy that I get from pancakes The person sitting across from me may not feel that way. Maybe they think pancakes are all right. We probably wouldn't be friends, but that's okay. An empath is going to be able to pick up on that happiness emotion, me doing my happy dance, and probably 
smushing my face onto the pancakes, all that feelings and emotion, they're going to feel that themselves. They literally take on that emotion and it's like, oh yeah, I'm in for pancakes too. Me and that individual could be friends. (laughs) It's a beautiful ability that people have and it's, it can also be slightly dangerous. Now, before I get into the side where it could be dangerous, I want to focus on the beauty that comes from being an empath. You know, I look at it myself and the way I would envy somebody who's an empath is when there are situations that I don't understand and I'm really not good with criers, unfortunately, um, I just kind of stare. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. So I just stare and I'm just like, okay, uh, this is going to end at some point. I just don't know what point this is going to end at. So I'm just standing there staring at an individual like, okay. Or, you know, put my hand on their shoulder while they're crying and say, they're there, child. Like, I don't know how to approach that situation at times. An empath can pick up on that emotion and in ways that I can't fathom to understand, they can go to that person, talk with them, even though they're feeling the same emotion that that person's feeling, they have a clear head to guide you through that emotion. That is what an empath to me does. That is what I've seen people who are empath or identify as an empath do. Um, It's a really uncanny ability. You know, when I think of empath, there's also the terms that are out there, empathy. And I'm pretty sure if you've heard it, if you worked in a call center, you've heard it. You want to show empathy, not sympathy. Empathy is the same measure of behaving in the way as an empath would. Now, you aren't going to take on the entire emotion, but you're going to show empathy to someone's situation. So... We're back at IHOP, sitting down at the table, and my pancakes come out, and my friend's pancakes come out, and when I get ready to eat my first pancake, somehow a meteor comes through the restaurant window, lands on top of the pancakes, singes the shit out of them, and now I have space dust on top of my pancakes. Now, I would call that a cosmic flapjack, but that's just me. When that occurs, though, I would immediately start crying in tears because my pancakes are ruined. If you have seen any of the movies about body snatchers and aliens from outer space, they are the bacteria that lives on those rocks and all those other things. And once you eat it, you're turning into something unnatural. I don't want to turn into something unnatural, so I'm going to cry because these pancakes are no longer edible. Now, someone who's showing sympathy at that point, they're going to look at me and say, I'm very sorry that that happened. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That's sympathy. Empathy, the other person across the table is going to be like, oh, that fucking sucks. Oh, damn girl. So I can't imagine how you're feeling right now, but I'm here for you. That's empathy. There's in a way, putting themselves in my shoes, but then also keeping that same distance of, I can't apologize for this because I didn't do it, but I can say I'm here to help if you need me. 
Now, the third, the empath, who's not just showing empathy, they're going to look at me and either get super upset, like I got upset, or they're going to feel the extreme amount of depression that I can no longer eat these fluffy discs of cake. And I'll be quite pissed. So the empath takes that emotion that I had first, my happiness of getting my pancakes, to now my anger and disdain for outer space because of my destroyed pancakes. Empaths can pick up on this in ways that we could never understand. Now, another thing that someone who's an empath can do, they can do something when it comes to the aura or the vibe or the feel of an environment. So somebody who is an empath could walk into an office. Let's say they walk into my work office. It's a jovial day. Everybody's happy. There's this great mood throughout the day in the building. That empathic person is going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to dance. Like, hey, girl, Sheila, we're going to go cut a rug up tonight. If you don't know what cutting a rug up is, I don't know what to tell you. But... The same goes is, let's say, there's all this happiness that's in the office, but then there's also maybe a bad vibe. Maybe there's a very upset situation or atmospheric energy that is very aggressive. That empath is going to pick up on it. Now, they may not take that into themselves or take on that aggressive emotion, but they're going to be able to sense that something in the room, in the office, in the space they're in is off. It is uncomfortable and something is not right here. Empaths have that power. It's a beautiful thing because I can tell you this. Most of the time I'm like, um, I'm going to stay over here because I can't see that from my house. And as an empath, you can kind of perfect that of, I don't know what's going on over there, but I get the feeling something bad's happening. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and get this little here Uber and go home. (laughs) Empaths can do that in such a way that they're superhuman. That's what it seems like. It seems like it's, you know, I have to agree. It seems like it's a superhuman ability to be able to do that. That is the power of an empath. Amazing. Fun times at Buddy Shianzi High. All about it. Now, One thing that I could say when it comes to being an empath, where it can be a negative, is as an empath, you take on a lot of emotions all of the time. One thing that could be bad, and I was reading about this, and one of my friends who is an empath or identifies as one, um, said to me that sometimes I don't even know what my own emotions are because I take on so many other emotions throughout the day. And when this individual said that to me, I actually got really scared for them. I'm like, so you're regulating all these different emotions throughout the entire day, but you don't even know if they're generated from within you? And they said, yeah. They said, I don't know what I'm feeling myself in my own space sometimes. I feel like I am off on just a random ride, no control, like you're behind the, you're in the buggy of like a chariot 
well, buggy of a chariot. You're in a chariot that's being pulled by horses, and all the horses are just pulling you different directions, and you can't get off because if you do, you're going to die, essentially, in the chariot. No, it's a little extreme to say that you're going to die by separating yourself from emotion as an empath. You most likely won't, but the way they explained it to me was that, that you're on a car, you're on a roller coaster, and you have no control of the direction that you're being pulled in. And that's where it can start to get bad for some people who are empaths. Another thing that they brought up to me was there's times where they want to say, I cannot handle this, and sometimes they can't get that relief because either someone hasn't picked up on the fact that they're an empath, or two, they just don't know how to express that in a way that doesn't seem offensive to somebody else. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you this. If it's me, and you're like, okay, I just can't handle this today, you have come to me crying and very emotional about those fucking flapjacks. I can't handle it. You know what? Leave me the hell alone. Friend, tell me. That's all you gotta do. Tell me that. I will leave you right on alone because I can't imagine taking on that emotion 24-7. Then the other part of it, um, sometimes you gotta learn your own emotional boundaries. You have to have emotional intelligence. And having emotional intelligence is already just a major thing that's very important for everybody. But as an empath, you have to take extra care of yourself emotionally. You're taking on all these emotions, and the way my friend explained to me is you're taking them all on. You're stuffing them all inside of you. And at some point, they're going to burst because you only have limited space. And you have to know your limits within those spaces. So it's... It's hard. It's hard from what I picked up and from what I'm learning. It is not something easy to be an empath. And even though it can be something you envy, remember when we envy things, it always turns around that you see the negatives and then you're like, get that shit away from me. That's kind of what I'm going with an empath. Um, So one of the other things that I picked up that could be a negative for somebody who is an empath is the ability doesn't have an end. It doesn't end. It's always there. It's always active. It's always working. If you are a My Hero Academia fan, it's like one of the quirks that you can't control until you really start to learn to control it. And it's a... I know not everybody's an anime fan, but if you've seen My Hero Academia and you look at Izuku Midoriya, the main character, his power came from the best superhero ever, All Might. And All Might's power was so strong that every time Izuku would use it, he would break a limb, break his legs, destroy his fingers, because his body just couldn't handle the strain that that quirk or power put on him. Empathy, oh, not empathy, being an empath is kind of that way too. Especially once you start to realize that you're an empath, you can think like, oh, I've got this ability that I can use. And 
can be very beneficial. You can walk into a room and read a room and what's going on in that room in seconds. You can pick up on that vibe and know, okay, the energy in this room is a little off. So let me see what I can do or am I going to blend in with it to kind of be a chameleon so nobody else can tell what's going on. Or you can walk into a room and then you just feel that immediate energy that's going to throw you off from whatever your task is. If you are an educator, I think that you develop the qualities or at least the skills that an empath has, especially in adult education. In adult education, you know, you're teaching people who are grown. You're teaching people who are here most likely because they need the money if they're getting paid for it and they don't have time for bullshit. But then also, whenever you go into a classroom and I challenge you guys to Uh, look at yourselves. Whenever you go into a classroom, you revert to the way you were in the last classroom you were in. So that could be your college, high school, maybe even middle school. So you feel this energy pump up where it's like, "Uh uh-oh, something's not right here. I feel like I should be throwing spitballs, which is disgusting. Or I think I should be giving people titty twisters, which is assault. Or I think I should be drawing on the desk, which is damaging property. I'm just saying <laughs> the things that were very cute to when we were in school are quite expensive to get off of your record. So <laughs> when you have that urge, it's a feeling, it's an energy that's created. And if the person who's an educator in that room is an empath or knows empathic skills, they will pick up on the fact that you are now reverting back to a state of energy that could be high, low, negative, or a positive. And they pick up on it. Now, one way that it could also explain it and how being an empath could work, even if you're not an empath or identify as one, is the term, or, well, you've heard it, negative emotions rub off on people that's kind of the way an empath works where they can pick up on an emotion and it rubs off on them and then completely changes their emotion or their vibe it's not always bad it's not always good sometimes it's neutral but i can imagine that's got to be fantastic if you're having really good sex and you pick up on the other person's emotions during the sex it's like okay i can match your rhythm with this let me show you what we can do I don't know. Don't mind me. I am just giving my thoughts and opinions on this. I am probably way off mark and way off base. And if I am, call me the hell out on it. Um, But we're going to take a little break. I'm going to get a little juice, lubricate these vocal cords, and we'll be back. Hi, everyone. Today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. And everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy, whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. 
you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So check it out, y'all. And let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody. This is Danny. Hey, this is Andrew. And we are your hosts of Some Meta Shit. So if you haven't listened yet, you should definitely check it out. It's our new podcast uh, that's been out for quite a bit now. Just, uh, I want to say like just over a month. Yeah. And we do a lot of conversation about how we conversate or converse. Converse. In I can like the word conversate. I can't yeah. lie. Now, if you haven't heard it yet, you should definitely check it out. We're available on quite a few platforms. We're on iHeartRadio, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on all these motherfuckers. We're here, we're talking about language and the language that we use every single day. Um, Language is important. This is how we communicate as humans, as individuals, and beings in this world. But let me tell you something. When you talk about language and you talk about yourself, you read yourself all at the same goddamn time. Absolutely. Some meta shit is available for you to get into this conversation, and we want you to participate. So how can we do that? Um, You can hit us on the socials. You can follow us on our social media accounts. You can email us at somemetashit at gmail.com. And... Yeah, just give us your feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Tell us how you're using these words. We have quite a good selection of episodes so far. We've got things like healthy versus clean. We've got things like kinky versus perverted. We are looking for new um, new ideas. So if you have any ideas, absolutely just get, shoot us a message and let us know. I mean, words have meaning and meaning means things. Right. Come get meta with us because meta is meta. Trippy, right? And bye, y'all. That's some meta shit. (laughs) All right, y'all. I am back. I am back like cook crack. (laughs) My brother used to say that all the time. I love it. So let's get back into this empath conversation. Because being an empath, there are some great benefits to it, especially when it comes to your coins, your ducats, your balloons, your balloons, your your doubloons. I mean, if balloons are currency for you, you might be a clown, so that could be kind of cool. Like, forget big face Benjamins, I got hot dog balloons. What? I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, so... When it comes to work and your career, being an empath can be a very useful thing. Um, I found an article, and this was on Business News Daily, and it was just some of the things as far as an empath can work throughout their life. So when it comes to careers for an empath, one of the bullet points that they gave was some empaths may be sensitive to crowds and should choose calmer careers, which is very true. Remember, if you're an empath, you're picking up on the energy and emotions of other people. And in that case, a large crowd, you're dealing with multiple emotions all at once. I mean, we see it when you watch a football game. And during football, when the fans are like, oh, yeah, go um, Manchester United. And you're like, oh, okay. So they're happy. But then you see across the field... 
um, another football team's uh, crowd is like, fuck you, Manchester. We don't like you. We like um, this other team that David Beckham's on. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's weird. That's not good. And so now you have this mixing of emotions. So unfortunately for somebody who is empathic and has the ability to pick up and take on emotions, you could be just on a high and low every two seconds when you're in a big crowd. You know, jobs like being an artist, librarian, and writer make great careers for an empath. In some situations, you're by yourself. In others, you have an established mood, mode, or emotion that is in the place that you come to work. An artist, you're setting the tone and environment that you're working in most of the time. Librarian, people have to shut up in the library. You need to be quiet. Now, libraries can be a little dicey sometimes because some people go there to jack off. Some people go there just to sit there and get out of the cold. Or maybe they're just there to just be in the library and read books. It's generally a calmer environment because we know the rule in the library is you're supposed to really be quiet. You're not supposed to be screaming and yelling. You're definitely not going to be dragging people. Not in the library of all places. The books are sensitive, okay? You know, jobs like being a nurse, teacher, or a veterinarian may be a little emotionally draining, for sensitive empath types. So there's definitely different levels to being an empath because a lot of it does depend on your own emotional intelligence to regulate yourself and say, hey, um, we're not going to be able to do that all. We have to take a break. We have to take a break. And being an empath, you get that ability to take a break for yourself if you have reached that state of emotional intelligence. Um, But when you're an environment like being a nurse. Nobody's typically coming to see a nurse for happy times. When we go to the doctors, when we go to the nurse's office, it's because something has happened that is not right with our body or not right with us. A teacher, a teacher, now, even though I say a teacher would be great to have uh, empath capabilities, A teacher can also be in an environment where a lot of stress is generated, especially if you're dealing with kids. Now, when I was in college, my first major was adolescence education. And I was like, yeah, this will be great. I'm going to deal with some adolescence. Now, adolescence, that's typically middle school, high school. Um, And I'm like, okay, this could be fantastic. I'm going to go with these kids and we're going to learn. We're going to love. I was smiling and happy. The very first day of my internship, I was like, fuck this. Fuck these kids. I don't want to be here. And I said that out loud. Rightfully so, I was told I should really change my major. (laughs) It was not a good day in history for uh, those kids. But being a teacher, you're definitely going to be taking on a lot of emotions in a room. And especially if you're dealing with children, it's hard. It can be hard. It can be super beneficial because somebody who is an empath is able to pick up on feelings of confusion or maybe nervousness or maybe, I don't want to use the word incompetence because no student is incompetent. It's 
maybe the lack of understanding which goes to just giving up. So an empath is able to pick up on that feeling that that student is having and say, hey, um, hey, I'm here to help, so let's figure this out together. That's one of the beauties of being an empath. Um, and when I was looking more into this, there was one part about there being a veterinarian, that being a veterinarian may not be the career choice for an empath. Veterinarians, just like nurses and doctors, are going to be taking on sick patients, i.e. animals. Some empaths are able to pick up on the emotions of animals. One who I would say is very notable um, would be one half of the duo of Siegfried and Roy. I think Roy dealt with the lions more and the tigers. And there's videos and interviews of him where he could pick up on the feelings of a lion, uh, the lion. He says like, hey, I can tell how these creatures feel. I can tell that these big cats that we're typically afraid of and think is going to snatch off our face, maybe just wants a little tummy rub. Maybe just wants a little love. Maybe it needs to just be left the hell alone, so I'm going to leave it alone. Um, so it's a good thing that can help them. Um, it's just, you know, it's like you, again, are taking on the whole physical embodiment of the emotions that whatever you're dealing with is taking on. So it can have some truly, truly beneficial things. Um, another thing that is great for empaths. So, and I would say this myself, something that can be great for somebody who's an empath and my per- my friend who does identify as an empath, uh, let me know that just going on a cruise, going to the beach, going to the movie theater in the middle of the day where you can just be by yourself is a great way to reconnect with your emotions after dealing with so many people and all their emotions in your everyday life. Um, It's really something that can be great and great. And according to them, um, it's just beneficial. You know, and then I asked, you know, being somebody who I don't identify as an empath and I didn't know how to approach some things, I was like, so when I come to you and I bring you an issue... Do you just immediately take on that emotion? And they told me, no, it's not just immediate. It's not like you just walk into a room and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Andrew's angry. I'm ready to fight. Or like, oh, I can tell that you are upset today, bitch. So now I'm upset, bitch. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's not immediate. It's kind of, The way they explained it to me is that it's like when a chameleon or a reptile changes its color to camouflage itself with its environment it's not always instant sometimes it takes a little time to transition completely to the color or environment background that they're changing their color to it's something that's happening and you can see it or for more of an empath way you can feel it but it just comes on you slowly it's like you feel it, the way they explain it to me is that you feel it like starting from your fingertips and working its way up to like your chest and your brain and everything where you're slowly taking it on and you're like, okay, I'm feeling a little uneasy. I feel like something's not right here. Oh, this is an angry emotion or, oh, this is a sad emotion or, 
oh, this is a really happy emotion. It's kind of like that. Um, which, I, it's amazing. I think it is. And I ta- I'm only talking about this topic because when we got to have this conversation, it was so enlightening. I was like, oh. Because another thing that I asked was, as an empath, do you ever wish that people would not have emotions? Like, how is it to deal with somebody who maybe has their emotions very blocked off? And what they said to me was, it can be quite awkward. It would seem like it could be fun or beneficial when there's the days that you just feel like you've reached your limit. But then the days where you just want to associate with somebody else, it can be hard to relate when you have no basis of what to go off of. And what I took from that was when we talk or when we meet somebody and we're not an empath or we just talk with somebody and we're not an empath, we still can pick up on other things that are just natural to us. For instance, if I see somebody with a humongous smile on their face, but I know they don't smile because I have that reference, I can pick up, okay, something's not really right here. For an empath, because picking up emotions is like a sixth sense for them, when they can't pick up that emotion, now they're in unfamiliar, unfamiliar territory where... It's like, okay, I can't read this person as well as I thought I could, or trying to read them is going to be quite impossible, so what do I do here? So, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. You know, one way I would look at an empath is, especially if you want to look and see maybe this person could be an empath, is maybe if you have a friend who, when you're super down in your emotions, they all of a sudden become super down not in a way to take it from you or take away it uh, or to, uh, how would we say, diminish how you feel. But they're just like, damn, I can tell you're sad, so I'm getting a little sad here. Um, But let's fix it. Let's figure out what we can do. Every person who I know who identifies as an empath, they'll take on the emotion, but they're like, no, you're not about to stew in this. We're going to figure it out and find our way through whatever's pissing you off. I mean, I know that meteors crashing into pancakes is really a, uh, it's an epidemic that's going on in our society. And if you haven't heard of the IHOP fund, um, the IHOP fund is fighting to eliminate meteors from outer space. So that way our pancakes are safe. Um, So I'm just going to, you know, say that their number is 1-800-STOP-THE-ROCK. You know, very important cause. But um, it's just something that I just wanted to talk about because it seems like such an enviable emotion to me. I can find myself envying people who can feel other people's emotions that way. I'm pretty sure that I still have the capacity to feel emotions of people and read a room and read body gestures and language. But I do wish sometimes it would come so much easier to me. And I feel that way because it. I feel like... And I'm just going off of how I feel about it. I feel like I would be able to function in different environments in a room so much better. But that's just me. So that's going to be it for the topic today. We're going to cut a little bit short. And I'm okay with it. And I just want to go into one area that 
I just want to say I truly appreciate and thank everybody who helped me live my truth and talk about my truth in the gay, black, and positive episode. Um, It was not easy to talk about in this forum. Um, I've been HIV positive for 15 years now, or at least I've known for 15 years. And I've had 15 years to become comfortable with myself and to be able to talk about being positive. But I had still not dealt and still am dealing with a lot of emotions about being positive. It's something that's going to be with me for the rest of my life if no cure comes within my lifetime. Um, But to know that there were so many people who wanted to talk and listen and just wanted to participate in the conversation and want to keep the conversation going, it made this huge, huge, huge space of hope in my chest cavity spirit holder container, wherever it is. And that was just beautiful. So I would love for you guys to let me know what about being positive you would like to know about, um, how prevention is going throughout the country, if you want to hear that. I'm going to just set up an episode every month, one one episode that is, excuse me, geez, one episode that is completely dedicated to talking about HIV. I will definitely have guests. Um, I want to give out information for treatment and how to get into treatment if you are afraid, or maybe you want to know what it's like to go to treatment. Maybe you want to know what it's like to have your first day, uh, well, your first appointment at an HIV clinic or a hospital or whatever, or wherever you would get your services from. Um, if you are positive and if you are negative too, I have experienced on both sides of it of seeing somebody who's negative go to the same clinic that I go to being positive. Because there's a lot of things that are out there. There's a lot of good information, but there's also a lot of disinformation. And keeping this conversation going is important because um, Davina talked about it in the episode. I suggest you guys go listen to it, Gay, Black, and Positive. Um, And she talked about it in the episode where she was in a town where nobody was talking about HIV at all. Nobody. You give them a flyer, they're going to throw it away. They don't care. They didn't want to hear about it. But the town had a quite high and rising population of HIV positive individuals and also new infections. So keeping this conversation going is more beneficial than anything else I can think of in this world. And also we need to remove the stigma. Shaming people for having HIV is completely unacceptable. Shaming someone altogether is unacceptable. I don't appreciate it. The only person that I would ever say shame to, and I would do it in a Game of Thrones fashion of just shame, 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 shame. And we all know who that is. That's individual one. When he does get impeached or voted out of office, if our votes actually count this uh, election... I would love for every person who voted against him to stand outside of the White House, on the lawn, or wherever he's at, that he's leaving, and just chant, shame, 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 and maybe even ring a bell, shame, ding, shame, ding, something like that. 
I would truly love it. Um, all right, guys, we're going to cut it here today. And I didn't even give my little, like, whole repertoire of things in the beginning of the show. So if you like this podcast, I ask that you rate and share it. The more you rate and share on whatever platform you listen to, it really helps me. It helps the people who help me make this podcast. It just makes it easier to find and it makes it so if there are people out there who feel you don't have a voice you can relate to and you think you can relate to my little whiny nasally voice, you can hear me more. Um, so you can always reach out to me on the social medias at Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy or Lifestyle GBB or hashtag LGBB. On all platforms, you will find me. And if you'd like to email me, you can do that as well to lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G is in gay, B is in black, B is in boy at gmail.com. And I will definitely read it. Hopefully get back to you. I'll stop after 17 curse words. I'm giving you a little Christmas present there because the last time it was eight. But after the 17th, I'm done reading. Sorry, guys. Or sorry, y'all. I'm learning to not use gendered language. So sorry, y'all. I will not go past that. But if you do want to be kept anonymous, I can keep you anonymous. Just as anonymous as the person who wrote, who is writing this tell-all book about the White House. Um, I it's, feel like it's going to be interesting to read. Uh, I can also keep you as anonymous as the person who does Kim Jong-un's hair. Because it is an interesting haircut, y'all. Very, very interesting. Um, but outside of that, that's where we're going to end it today. And please make sure to check me out on iHeartRadio. It is a beautiful, beautiful platform. It is the largest platform for podcast ever. Um, they aren't paying me to say that. But I am just happy to say I have taken something that I've always been nervous about, my voice. And now it can be heard by everyone. Everyone can hear this voice. That was my serious voice. Or that was my Batman growly voice. Well, whatever voice it is, you can now hear it on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Himalaya, and the list goes on and on. <laughs> but y'all have a great weekend. Bye, y'all.